What's up, guys? Welcome to this episode of Logos Podcast. My name is Max. I am Sam. I'm Joey. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Sam's Sam's life, Sam's vocation story, kind of what brought him to seminary, and uh, give us some details on who Sam is. Yeah, get to know Sam a little bit. I'm excited. I'm not going to lie. Let everybody know, you yeah. know, kind of my life story. I mean, not everything, obviously, but just like, the, you know, every seminarian has like a 10 to 15 minute vocation story <laughs> that they're supposed to tell, you know, and they tell it over and over again. So this is kind of mine, yeah. you know. Wait, what's a vocation? Oh, this is a good question. Um, so a vocation is like a, a calling from God. Yeah. Um, a big thing that our seminarians always like to point out is like it comes from the Latin word vocare, right? And it, I mean, vocare means to call. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get our, our word uh, vocation from vocare. And uh, it just basically essentially means that, you know, in, in, in our life, everybody has a specific calling from God. Uh, primarily, that would be to be a saint. Mm. Uh, but secondarily, there's there's different vocations within the, the primary vocation, which would be married life, priesthood or um, consecrated life or um, a single life, I guess. Is that be considered a vocation? Consecrated single yeah. life and then yeah. Yeah, religious life. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you're going to tell us about how God called you to enter the seminary. Yeah. 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 So um, good. Yay. Yeah. And just, if you guys have any questions, like just let me know and uh, cool. you can inter- interrupt me. Um, and, I guess I'll start in eighth grade. Uh, when I was in eighth grade, I had a, I had a teacher, uh, and we, I went to a Catholic grade school, so we um, studied like religion, or it was it wasn't called theology; it was called religion class. Uh, and uh, she taught us the Catholic faith in like a really a re- really unique way. Uh, it was with like the intellectual side of our faith, right, but also like the spiritual aspect of it. So that combination of those two, putting those together. Um, is like a really good combination for a young man who's discerning the priesthood, maybe to think about the priesthood, right? He's like, well, yes, I always had this spiritual aspect of my faith, but now I have this like intellectual arguments that also bring me to God's existence. Mm-hmm. And those two like combined is like, okay, wow, that's a really good thing. Also, I was, uh, I was confirmed that same year. Uh, so I always like to say that it was not an accident that I'm feeling, you know, like these, this calling or this maybe movement towards the priesthood yeah. during that time. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, so that was a, that was kind of where I started really started thinking about the priesthood. And then I went to uh, ninth grade, and in ninth grade, I I uh, basically had some of the same stuff I had in eighth grade. Though. I had another teacher, uh, this time a man, um, and he took what my eighth grade teacher did and just kind of ran with it. Right, we had like same type of intellectual arguments, but really deep in the faith, praying the rosary, saint of the day, right? We always go over the saint of the day and know like facts about them and everything. So that was, that was really good. And I started to really seriously think about the priesthood. I was like, maybe, you know, maybe God's called me to be a priest. Mm. Um, Can I ask you something? Sure. Was that scary when you were in ninth grade? (laughs) Yeah. I mean that, well, that's it. No, I mean, it's exactly. And Joey, obviously being a guy who, who's also felt the call. When you first feel that, that notion of that pull or the priesthood, you're kind of like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I don't know yep. about this. Sure. <laughs> so that, that's what was going on with me. You know, I'm like, I got, I got really scared. I was like, Nope, I definitely did not think that and I was like, you know, I'm dealing with these weird mind games where like, no, I definitely didn't think about the priesthood. Mm. And, Nobody asked me about it because no way I've ever thought about it. Like <laughs> I, went, I went from like thinking about it to like, don't even want to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And really, I tell you, I, I did that for the rest of my high school. I didn't really think about the priesthood. Mm. Uh, I, I just focused on my sports. I played basketball and baseball. Um, 
and I was pretty su- successful in both of those. So the, oh, if you me, do say so yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Joey thinks he was more successful in high school, but really it's me. So I <laughs> know, but uh, I, I was able to focus on those, you know, I just yeah. like, I could, I could stick my nose into, yeah. you know, basketball every night or ba- uh, baseball during the spring mm-hmm. or whatever. So that was great. And I actually went on to college uh, and at my college, I, well, okay, sorry. I, I wanted to play baseball in college. Uh, so I, I was basically trying to discern where I wanted to go for college and, and, you know, seminary was not one of those options. Yeah. Not after like, high no, school. Okay. No, I'm not thinking seminary at this point. Uh, and I ended up going to play baseball in college. And while I was in my, at my first college, I thought, oh, this is great, you know, playing baseball. And I was in sport management. Uh, I was studying sport mm. um, and going to, you know, work for like an MLB team or yeah. an NBA team or maybe like a minor league baseball team, something, you know, because I'm, I'm in sport all the time as a young man. So I thought, well, why do I not make a career out of it? You know, the, whatever. That'd be, that'd be sweet. What was your dream MLB team to work for? Probably the Cincinnati Reds. I really oh, yeah? like the Reds, uh, but also thinking about like maybe like the big, huge teams that have the huge cap spaces and everything, like the Yankees or like the Dodgers. <laughs> like yeah. that would be cool too. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Yeah, so you know that's what I'm thinking as a as a young guy, just like stay in what you're doing. Um, and yeah. I wasn't thinking about the priesthood at all. Now I ended up transferring from my first uh, college or university, whatever you want to whatever you want to call it, and. Um, I decided that I wanted to go play baseball at another school and this school I kind of wanted to go to out of high school. I was like, you know, I really would like to play here, but my ACT score was too low. So, uh, tale as old as time, they wouldn't let me in. They were like kind of, kind of an <laughs> academic school and you know, whatever I, I, I couldn't make it happen. But after two years of, uh, at my pre, like at my first high school, now I can show them that I can play baseball and like go to class and get good grades. So I kind of, mm-hmm. I approached that school again and they let me in. Nice. Um, and yep. then I played baseball there. Now the problem with that was that now I no longer can study sport management Oh. because at my new school, they don't offer sport management as a major. So I'm like, crap, what am I going to do? And you know, I always thought about the priesthood, like in the back of my head, I guess. Right. I'm like, I'm like yeah. denying it, but I knew it was, well, I knew something was going on. Okay. Let me ask you a question right here. So okay. you're in college, you're playing baseball. Eventually you transfer schools um, to this new school. But what was your like prayer life like during this time? Was there a prayer life? Was the question of the priesthood present every day in prayer? Or was it kind of just like... Were you thinking of Logos Podcast? How does that... <laughs> no. Uh, so definitely not Logos Podcast. <laughs> prayer life was not good. I wouldn't I wouldn't classify okay. it as like good. Now, I, I guess I was one of those Catholics that was convicted that the Catholic Church was true and good and beautiful. But yeah. I didn't care to go to Mass. Oh, interesting. One of those guys. <laughs> yeah, so okay. you weren't that convinced. Right. Well, no, I just didn't find mass like appealing, I guess. Or like uh, it was too boring yeah, no, or something, you yeah, know. No, so, yeah, no, absolutely. And so. I was in that phase. And, uh, you know, I guess I'm not really, I don't like to say that, but I'm just being honest. Yeah. You know, we should no, keep it raw here a little bit. Yeah. That's where I was at. Yeah. Uh, but when I got to my new school, my life kind of was like at this point of like a crossroads where I'm like, okay, so... I don't really know what to do now because I'm out of sport management. So why don't I go into like communications, right? I'm like searching for a degree. I'm trying to see like what I'm going to go into. And I mean, I got into communications and I'm like, I always say no offense to the communications people, but like, I just, 
it, it was a like a non-factor <laughs> for me. Like, you tell Sam. Well, it's just like I just felt like it was another way of putting off a decision where I was like, I'll just get a, like a broad degree so that I can still yeah. keep yeah. my op- my options wide open. And it's like, yeah. no, you're just trying not to make a decision at this point. Again, hey, hey yo, Sam, I got a question for you. Yeah, you mind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I imagine this transition period. I mean, like you said that you felt this like urging at least slightly to the priesthood or what is this thing about at least curiosity yeah were you like dating somebody at the time you know like was that a was that a transition of like yeah how was that like if you were you know talking to girls or dating a girl at the time no, he, was there ne- any he never kind of- he never spoke to women <laughs> <laughs> oh. as, he's scared of them as a rule he's scared of them <laughs> no come on man i had game no. <laughs> so, no so at this point i would say no um maybe like at my first college maybe i was like i I didn't have like serious girlfriends but like i obviously was thinking more about marriage um so like just your relationship with females is a a little different when you think about marriage right so you're open to dates and stuff like that uh but when i got Mm -hmm. to my new school this priesthood thing really started to work on me and then it's kind of like well i could ask this girl out on a date but if I do, she's going to ask me what I want to do when I get older. And I say, I'm thinking about going to seminary. <laughs> this seems like the date would end it's right tough, there. She'd be like, wait, yeah, why like, did you want to come out to dinner with me? <laughs> you know, and you're just like, ah, I don't know. You're cute. Uh, <laughs> 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 right. So no, yeah. the, the, the dating life was not so like prominent at that point, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, again, I'm at this crossroad and I, I got into the communications classes. I'm like, nope, this is not going to work. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, fine. Fine, God, I will surrender to this priesthood thing, take it serious, and do what I need to do to like set myself up for seminary. Because like I knew it wasn't going to go away unless I, I. The only way it's going to go away is if I go to seminary and I I get in there and I'm like, okay, I was wrong. Yeah, that's the only way it's going to go away at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was like, fine, okay, God, I'll do what I need to do, and uh, I decided to go meet with the uh, religious studies chair, department chair, uh, a guy named Doctor. Hustwit, um, and he, you know, I went, I went to talk to him. I scheduled a meeting, and I was talking to him and uh, told him the story. I kind of just told you guys, and he said, okay, good. Mm. Um, so here's the thing. Um, I am actually not a religious studies professor. I'm a philosophy professor, and uh, my son discerned the priesthood, uh, too, because I'm Catholic, and he was raised Catholic, uh, and I know that the seminaries are going to want you to have philosophy. Um, so why don't we, instead of putting you in religious studies class and get your degree in that, you can get a degree in philosophy, and that'll kind of be a good stepping stone for for uh, seminary. And I was like, cool, Doc. That, that's pretty cool. You know, I don't even think that maybe that I, I'm I'm here on accident, right? Like the Lord was maybe watching yeah. over me. And uh, I said, well, there's one there's one issue. Um, you're going to have to tell me what uh, philosophy is, and. He's like, oh, okay. So he you know, I explained what philosophy was and uh, that you know all that good stuff, and then I kind of just was put into philosophy classes, and yeah. we uh, I hit the ground running, man. I mean, I just I loved yo, it right yo, away. I have a question for you, Sam. Yeah, another one. So, what did your parents think of like you going from somewhat of a you know more general um, path career path, you know, in your in your college studies to something like philosophy, which seems so abstract to so many people. Like, yeah. 
you know, how do you go about sharing that news with your parents? Or like, hey, mom and dad, by the way, I'm considering the priesthood. Or maybe you didn't tell them that. Maybe you just said, hey, I want to study philosophy. No, so, and they were like, what in the world does that mean? You right, know? yeah. So good question. Uh, the truth is I didn't tell my parents about any of this going on because I knew once uh. I told my parents that it was going to get real. You know, like once right. I said, I'm discerning mm. the priesthood, I'm discerning the priesthood now. Yeah. <laughs> so I did this all uh, silently. Dang. So I didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Um, actually, really, the first time I really talked about it was with Dr. Huswood, I'm pretty sure. Um, That's nuts. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And uh, I mean, I eventually told my parents, and my parents are, are Catholics, and uh, they, uh, yeah. you know, I'm thankful that they are open to the Lord's will for my life. Whatever he says is what they want. Yeah, that's a big deal. You know, that's huge. so yeah. they were they supported mm-hmm. it all the way. And I once I told them that I wanted to go in seminary, they're like, oh, fine. If that's what the Lord wants you to do, then do shout it. out, shout out, Sam's parents. Yeah, you guys are shout awesome. Shout out to them. So hey, thank so you. Things were uh, things were going great, right? I'm going into seminary, and uh, I can't wait. I'm taking the classes I need to take, and here we go, right? What could be what could be worse, or what could be better than this? Um, yeah. But then uh, I I was hit with like a, another curveball, um, <laughs> quite the curveball. Yes, pun intended or no pun intended. Uh, maybe the pun because of the baseball thing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so this happened in January 2018, um, a semester after studying philosophy. I was diagnosed with uh, a cancer called osteosarcoma, um, and it's a mm. it's a uh, bone cancer, uh, and it's pretty aggressive. Um, I had it on my heel or my calcaneus, which is like your uh, your bone down there uh, in your foot. And uh, I had to get receive treatment for osteosarcoma uh, immediately following the semester, uh, my first semester in philosophy. Now, there's a couple options for osteosarcoma. Um, they usually occur on long bones, like your femur, the longest bone in your body, or your tibia, which is like the bone on the lower part of your leg, uh, the, the thick one. And... They have something what they call a limb salvage surgery, which is where they kind of like take out like long bones, like a femur and replace it with like an iron rod so that you don't have to like lose your leg or anything like that. They just take the bone out that's, that's, uh, causing harm and then replace it with something else, which is kind of sweet. And then you become Iron Man. Kind of. Yeah. (laughs) You can't go in the airport without telling them you have our, uh, metal in your leg. Yeah. No, but, uh, there's that, there's that treatment, um, but I didn't qualify for that because it's on it's on my heel, which is like if you, I don't know. Obviously, this is not an anatomy podcast, but <laughs> there's a lot of bones in your ankle. I mean, you can't reconstruct that easily. I yeah. probably couldn't do it at all. Um, so uh, the only option I had was uh, amputation of my lower right leg. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wear a prosthetic on my right leg, and then after the amputation would take it took place took place on January 25th, 2018. Uh, I had nine months of chemotherapy uh, that would go all the way to September. Um, okay, I have mm-hmm. to say this right now after you've just shared that. Okay. When I met Sam, I think you were wearing pants, and um, <laughs> like I had no clue that you um, were wearing a prosthetic leg. And at school, Sam plays sports with us. Uh, he still plays mm-hmm. basketball and baseball, and yep. soccer's tough for him sometimes <laughs> with, the, yes, it is. with the prosthetic, but he can do it. And it's really, he's, I mean, He's he's a walking miracle. I mean, yeah. uh, it's it's pretty amazing to see. So uh, I'm really mm. amazed and thankful. A that he you know survived the cancer, but also B to um, the doctors and <coughs> and the, te- yeah. the technology that we that we have that's able to allow him to continue, you know, walking around. Yeah, 
He also makes me very angry because he's still so good at athletics, and I feel like I should be better <laughs> than, than, than a handicapped person like Sam. But Hand, no, hey, it's not handicapable. <laughs> handicapable. Yeah. Sorry, handicapable. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, they make they make great things these days for us amputees. And uh, to be honest with you guys, I I forget I am uh, handicapped most days. Like I don't. That's such a blessing. You know, it Gosh, doesn't. Uh, it doesn't amazing. cross my mind. So. Uh, yeah. Thanks for how do they impact your your vocation your discernment though you know yeah, I mean, yeah i'm yeah. sure that no great question that and th- that's where i want to go into right after so so like obviously i'm like oh well great okay so i'm gonna be a, i'm gonna be a priest and i can't wait and then uh a semester after saying yes to god i get cancer i'm like well now i can die and so let me try to put this mm-hmm. together god nobody wants to be a priest like nobody <laughs> <laughs> and I want to be a priest. Except Joey and Max. Yeah. Right. And now I'm going to die probably. Or maybe. Yeah, right? right? And it's just like, as a young guy, you're just like angry. Right. How can you not be angry at Absolutely. God? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so like if you're out there listening and thinking like maybe you're angry at God too. Well, so was I and am sometimes, right? <laughs> and I'm in seminary. Yeah. So it's okay to be angry at God. It's okay. As long because, you know, when you're angry at God, and you're yelling at him in your head or wherever you're yelling at him. Or with your voice. Yeah, or with your voice. Yeah. Uh, That's actually prayer. You're actually praying. Um, So Mm. that's kind of a big, uh, that's one of the things I learned is like, okay, you know, I'm going to give this to God, this anger, right? Now this, this anger would be turned into maybe more of an understanding later on, but I, uh, I got it out, I would say. Um, But there's two things that I really want to point out that I learned uh, through this cancer experience. Um, The first, I want to tell through like another story. Um, I, I, when I was going through cancer, I had to, um, I had a port in my chest. So anybody who knows anything about cancer, that people who have cancer have ports in their chest. And they, these ports are kind of like catheters that go into your heart. And what that does is it allows like easy access for IVs and things. So you don't have to keep getting pricked in the arm. They can just, they can just access you through this port and they put medicine and through it and everything. So, you know, the, the, the medicine goes through the port and then straight to the heart and then all the medicine or the chemo or whatever, or any drug you're using disperses immediately throughout the whole body. And that, the reason that's, that's advantageous is because if you go through the same veins over and over again, the veins get hard and the skin looks weird and it's just not good long-term. So I had a port. Now this port was causing trouble with me. I I was going, I went into what they call AFib. Um, It's called AFib for atrial fibrillation. And it basically is like an incomplete beat of the heart or like an arrhythmia. Your heart's not completing a beat and it's not uh, pumping like as much blood as it should be uh, to get to your whole body. And uh, what that does is it makes it a little, it makes you more at risk for stroke, right? So like you're, you, yeah. it's kind of like, it's it's a medical emergency, you know, you That's can't, you can't sit mm-hmm. in it yeah. because you, you could stroke out. Um, I actually didn't know this, Sam. This is new to me. Yeah. Yeah. So that was going on. I, I uh, basically had this like your heart rate doesn't complete beats, but if you put on like a like a I think it's called a pulse oximeter, like those little things that go in your finger that read your heart rate and your oxygen levels in your blood, mm-hmm. uh, it uh, it shows your heart beating at like a hundred and like ninety. Now that's not actually true because you're not completing beats, but jeez, it's like you get super dizzy and it's hard to stand up, um, and so that was going on. So basically, I had to get a cardiac MRI. I had a bunch of tests done, but basically the, the biggest test or the, the one that took the most time was a cardiac MRI. Um, and they just wanted to see, cause they had, I had a, a thrombus on my heart, um, which is a blood clot. So this, this atrial fibrillation 
produced a blood clot in my heart. So when you have blood clot in your car in your heart, you know, obviously that can go to your brain and be very dangerous. So they want to take a look at it through a cardiac MRI. Um, okay. So I had to get this cardiac MRI and I went down to the, to a hospital connected to my cancer hospital and they kind of wheel you through the halls and stuff. It's kind of, it's kind of sweet, except you never want to do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like being wheeled down these halls and I'm on a telly. A telly is like a box. If you go to the hospital and you see like the, the V's of like the heart rate, right. Where it's like the boom, boom, boom. You know what I'm talking yeah. about, Max? I know it's hard, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, the ones I see on my screen right now. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, kind yeah. of. So, um, I was connected to one of those, and if you if you picture me laying on a bed, uh, picture me without a prosthetic because <laughs> I, I didn't have a prosthetic yet. So I have half a leg where my foot should be. My telly's there, so like, I have this big like box thing on my bed, and uh, I can't walk. <laughs> I can't like do anything. I'm just basically rolling around this hospital, and then they just kind of leave you in the hospital, like in the hallway outside of the MRI of the room they do it in, mm. and I'm just chilling there with like a bunch of people there's just beds lined up on each side of the hall and the people walk in between them and you just like are with people waiting for to get tests done um and you just got chills bro imagining that yeah it's no it sucked and you're all alone um because your parents can't come back down there like your doctors are not with you i mean there's nurses there like i could flag somebody down if i wanted something or whatever yeah uh you know i'm just basically sitting there and then i looked around and what hurts is just like Everybody around me was like 95, right? And like, I don't mean to say that like 95 year olds don't matter. Right. They do, um, like a lot. But like 95 year olds typically have health problems. Yeah. Not 22 year olds. Yeah. Yeah. So like, again, that anger is just like, what the, what is going on? <laughs> like, where the, how the heck did I get in this spot? Yeah. Um, but all I had in my hand was my rosary, you know? And I'm sitting there with my rosary, like Sweet. praying my rosary and just like sitting in the hallway, just being miserable, dizzy, can't sit up, can't do anything, couldn't like escape if I wanted to, um, just, just like helpless. Um, and I had like this point of like, I guess rock bottom, right? And, uh, and uh, probably an overused term, but that's what it was. Um, and I'm yeah. just like, I literally have nothing, like absolutely nothing, God. Mm. So I know at this point that, I have nothing, so I need something, and I need you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the only thing that I truly can rely on at this point because my doctors are telling me all kinds of things, and half of them are wrong. Doctors are great people, don't get me wrong, um, but they're, they're human beings. Um, and, you know, I just, I was just like, I need you, God. I, get, I have nothing else. Um, and that was a really big moment for my vocation, not only my vocation, but my life, right? Because I, I, took that and now that's my foundation right i learned Mm -hmm. i finally learned that lesson and you know i'm stubborn right (laughs) i'm a stubborn guy and it took me to have my leg chopped off to be an afib waiting for a cardiac mri and helpless to realize that i need god yeah so Mm -hmm. so god are pretty stubborn that's true it is true yeah but now god can take that guy who was stubborn and who thought the church was true and good and beautiful but didn't like to go to mass (laughs) and now he can take that man and build him into a man that he needs in the future god willing yeah. as a future priest yeah so i you know i'm not a complete project as i always say um and then and also a shout out to joey because joey's heard this story probably like 10 times and he's just sitting here listening to it again so it's, it's, it's <laughs> just it's a, shout out to him it's a great story um it's a great story. yeah i did so that's the first lesson right i need god and like i said i'm not a, i'm not a complete um i'm not a complete project but um 
yeah. I'm, I can be certainly molded into the man I need to be from from this point. Um, Amen. Okay, so that's one thing I learned. I need God. Second thing is that when I was going through all my treatment and all the time, I spent like two weeks at a time in a hospital. I mean, I lived there. I always joked around that I was the mayor of the 18th floor. <laughs> so like <laughs> they would call up at like my, in the clinic and they'd be like, the mayor's here. And they, they would all like, <laughs> like welcome me as I come up. And I'd That's be like, so I'm cool. back. <laughs> <laughs> so I made some of the best friends up on the 18th floor, like the nurses and PC, PCAs and stuff. And I always used to tell them I, I never want to see them again. <laughs> like the best people I know, but I never <laughs> want to see him again. Uh, and that still reigns true to this day. I never want to see him again. Yeah. Um, uh, as a patient at least. And, right. uh, you know, my, I was, uh, I was always in the hospital. Uh, I was basically my second home, but somebody who always came to visit me was my parish priest. My parish priest would like always come and be with me and bring me Jesus and the Eucharist, uh, and just mm-hmm. spend time with me. We, we, we were never really talking philosophy and theology, to be honest with you though. We weren't talking about boring yeah. subjects that Logos talks about. <laughs> We're talking about whatever, right? Just as friends. <laughs> and uh, we used to, like, watch uh, Band of Brothers. I don't know if you guys are familiar with yeah. that. Yeah. 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 He had, like, a dinosaur computer, we call it. And it was the only computer, computer in America that played DVDs still. <laughs> uh, so we would bring it up. <laughs> and we'd, we'd slap on the... Uh, you know those hospital tables that are good for nothing? Yeah. But you abs- just put all your stuff yeah, on? Absolutely Yeah, nothing. we watch it on one of those. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a roll straight or whatever. <laughs> you have to like, fight it to get it in place. Right. So we'd, we'd prop it up on that and watch Band of Brothers and just hang out. So, you know, basically what that taught me is the the love I have for the priesthood. Yeah. You know, that man that I was so scared to be in ninth grade is now the man that I would always call to come be with me while I was in the hospital, my mm-hmm. lowest point. Mm-hmm. You know, and as a priest or as a guy discerning the priesthood, what is there a better lesson to learn than that? You know, yeah. is there a better lesson to see that the mm. things that I'm training for in the future in seminary are real things? People really need the priest. And there's something different about the priest coming versus like a friend. Not that I don't have good friends, right? Right. But like, yeah. there's just something di- he brings Jesus with him, he brings the presence of God. Yeah. So there's, yeah. So now, so I, now I know I need God and now I know I love the priesthood. <laughs> That sounds like some really rock solid yeah. things to learn before entering seminary. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now, as I look back on my cancer experience, you know, I don't know what the future holds because my cancer come back. Absolutely. Uh, I hope it doesn't, mm. but it could. Um, but I know that some of the things I learned are going to be foundational and really important for a guy in the future, if God so wills that I'm a priest. So. Amen. Yeah. That's my vocation story. Thank you. Boom. Thank you for sharing that. You guys got any questions? Um, no, I don't I don't have any questions. I do I when you were talking about needing God, I I was reminded of um the a quote by Pope Benedict where he talked about the illusion of self sufficiency, where like we think we we think we can do mm-hmm. things on our own. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. But in reality, like we don't even take our next breath without God willing it. So, um, yeah, yeah. really, really powerful that, um, through Providence, he brought you to that point where you knew you, you needed him uh, in every moment. You know, you know, Sam, like one of the things that when I've heard this story before, when you told me initially, one of the things that stood out to me the most <clears throat> as morbid as it may sound to a lot of people 
like you had to confront death at a very early age in a very real and uh there's very very big potential that that you could have died mm -hmm. and so you had to face death at a very quick time in your life um and that's something that the saints always say in their books you know like face death you know like think of death you know frater um memento mori frater, yeah remember your death yeah you know yeah and it's like that's like one of the first things some religious orders are built upon um and but you 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 face that man and i said i don't know that's that's very courageous of you um to be able to come out of that because honestly like this summer i've been you know i'm sure we all have to some extent have been going to uh hospital visits or homebound visits um taking our blessed lord and when i go and i'm there with you know the the people there the families there and the you know the sickly or the elderly there i'm just thinking to myself like here i am you know 23 year old guy looking at these elderly people and they're trusting me to bring them the eucharist and here they are you know uh days before their death sometimes hours before their death and you know they're they're embracing it and it's just like that's so much faith so much it, every time i'm there it tests my faith and like, i guess just to hear that from you from such a young age is just uh i don't know man it's 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 uh admiring yeah well thank you but one of the things i can say and this is not i'm not saying this because i have to or i'm supposed to because we're seminarians yeah is that god provides sufficient grace for when you're going through that stuff and it's unexplainable yeah um and i can say that from experience obviously but i can also say it as like a man now because i'm absolutely like just terrified of doing it again. Yeah. But when yeah. I'm going, when I was going through it, I really wasn't that terrified all the time. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously you have your moments, but for the most part, I look back on it and think, how the heck did I do all that? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was like, I, yeah. And it's not something like that. I like, Oh, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and said, I'm going to do this. And this right. is what I want to do. And I'm going to beat cancer. You know, I hate when people pound their chest and say, I beat cancer. It's like, bro, you took chemotherapy like the rest of us and yeah. it worked. So God, God, thank God it worked. So <laughs> yeah. stop acting like you did something different, but that's, mm. be, that's beside the point. Basically <laughs> it's like yeah. God t takes care of his people, but you have, we have to let him. Um, and that does not mean mm. that you're going to, you know, that does not mean that I'm not going to die from cancer. Right. But it does mean that I can go to heaven if I rely on God. Yeah. Amen. Boom. Good stuff, cool. man. Thank you for sharing again. Yeah, thank you. All right, cool. All right. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode um, on Sam's life, his vocation story. I hope you learned something. Um, so, um, as always, may God bless you.